The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. Good to be with you. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom. Folks, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Stargate. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash stargate. And get in now because they're just about to start the, um, oh gosh. Sixth season. The sixth season where Corin Nemec's character, gosh, why did I forget Jonas that? Quinn. Jonas yeah. Quinn. I want to call him Jacob. Jonas Quinn is joining the team. And uh, yes, so if, if, you, if you've ever watched Stargate, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, you, it's one of my favorite Stargate, seasons. Yeah. yeah. You, you should be listening to the podcast. All right. Enough of that. And I actually do, do want to ask one thing of all the listeners. If you have a topic you'd be interested in having us cover on this show, let us know. Send us an email to technology at sqpn.com or on our uh, social media, Facebook or Twitter, or on our Discord at discord, uh, discord. No, sqpn.com slash discord. Sorry. Uh, let us know of anything you'd like us to cover. You've seen if you've been listening any length of time, you you know the sorts of things we've talked about. We can revisit topics, you know, because technology is always changing. Or if there's to- topics we haven't covered, we would love to, you know, get your feedback and get your interest. And you know, uh, we've talked about things that were tangentially tech, but you know, the tech of something else, tech of camping, we've done then the tech of jo- the job search and that sort of thing. So let us know what you're interested in. And we'd love to incorporate that into the show. So let us get into our main topic today, which is the latest on teens and social media. And there's been two big reports that have come out in the last month that no surprise have <laughs> major yeah. warnings about social media and teens. That's not exactly news to anyone, but uh, there's some specific data and recommendations coming from the U S surgeon general and the American psychological association, two separate reports. And uh, we have a great panel for this because I've got uh, teens, uh, Victor, you have teens, right? Yep. I and- sure do. Older and younger, and older, I think. And, and younger, yep. yeah. And 20s and ones, I guess, or 10s <laughs> or whatever you want to 20s and singles, yeah. <laughs> which sounds like I'm going to the store. <laughs> <laughs> and Father, you actually, you teach in a, in a high school. You, you spend your days teaching teens. So, yep, exactly. So you, you probably actually are more in tune with this stuff than even Victor and I are, <laughs> to, to, to be clear. Uh, so... Let's talk quickly about some of what the Surgeon General and uh, well, let's start with the Surgeon General's report. And he's got a pretty down view of the of social media's effects on teens, basically saying it's a significant mental health risk. And it's he doesn't come out and say that kids shouldn't use social media. But gosh, does he come close to it? And maybe only doesn't say it because of the political ramifications of if he if he came right out and said it uh, what did y'all think of the surgeon general's warnings yeah i mean it's i think it's things that have we've been hearing at least you know rumblings of for years i i mean if, as an adult using social media I, it wasn't you know something that i could say was a net positive necessarily in my own life yeah um it you know it, it can make you agitated it can bring out your worst, uh, you know, tendencies, even as an adult and giving these to, to, you know, these sites and stuff to, to kids whose brains are still, you know, very malleable. I I can definitely see how it would cause a lot of, a lot of trouble. Uh, and it really just speaks to the, to the need, continued need for parental engagement and, and what your kids are consuming and participating in. How about you, father? What was your impression of this? I agree with him, and I think he should have went further. <laughs> um, I, I, if parents hear me over and over, um, I'm 
against kids ha- having cell phones before that they can pay for them um smartphones before they can pay for them um and social media accounts i yeah i just don't like them um and so i but i see daily the impacts that he's talking about um that it is a mental health crisis um and that the way that affects our teenagers um especially teenage girls um we can get into other topics of what um affects teenage boys but um the mental health part especially on teenage girls i Mm -hmm. um see it really weighing down on them yeah part of the report says that um they, the, the, one of the conclusions is adolescents who spend more than three hours per day on social media face double the risk of experiencing poor mental health outcomes. Okay, double the risk, which is not good because about a third of the respondents who were, who were surveyed post are on more than three hours a day. Like more, about a third say they're scrolling constantly, almost constantly. They're engaged with social media up to ninety five percent of teens between the ages of 13 and 17 say they use some social media platform, which I think for the purposes of this include things like Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, uh, the big ones. I don't know if they also include smaller platforms that like bulletin boards. I would add that to that. Um, Snapchat is probably oh, yes. their Snapchat's going to be their most used in TikTok. Um, right. Those two are going to be the dominant ones currently. Yeah. I wonder if they include things because my my kids are all in um, homeschooling and there's a homeschool uh, organization called Homeschool Connections that has a bulletin board like system that's monitored and by adults um, and uh, moderated um, that they can use, which is sort of like a social media platform. So I wonder if that would be included, too. It might be, I, I would think so. Yeah, about around 95% of teens between the ages of 13 and 17 are on a social media platform. Um, and, you know, the, he, you know, they get into some details. We'll have a link to the report itself so you can get into all the nitty gritty or at least the press release of the report, uh, all the nitty gritty. And, you know, some of the recommendations are things like what tech companies need to work with parents to not inflict the algorithm on kids and policymakers need to put the screws to the tech companies to force them to do this because they won't do it on their own and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, the, this article from CNBC that I'm going to link to also mentions how teen depression has risen like meteorically since in the past decade, since 2012, around the time that smartphones started to really get into the hands of everyone, including teens. So I don't know if that's a, you know, causation or correlation, but you know, it's, it's a data point. I would look at the reality if if you remember when we were um, teenagers, I know that's quite a few years back, but (laughs) when I went to get away from the kids, I didn't want to be around. Right. There were the kids you always wanted to be around and you go over to their houses after. But in every school and every environment, there's those kids that you just don't want to be around. Um, And now they follow you Um, and you're constantly with them, Um, whether that means that they're showing up in your Instagram feed or sending you snaps or whatever. the negative negativity, whether it be bullying or whether it just be um, someone saying, I don't measure up to her. Um, it's constantly in front of you instead of being able to leave that behind at 3 p.m. when you leave school. And the obligations that they feel, you know, the you know, if you like I've I've heard stories about, you know, groups of female girl, teen girls we're all friends and you know someone if someone posts a picture on snap you post something on snapchat or instagram and you know there's like a ticking clock till you know the, the friends should all like it and and make a comment that's 
you know, a laudatory. And if you don't make that comment in time or whatever, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like, um, uh, Darwinian. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. scary. And they get stressed about it. And they're on, you know, some of these girls admit to being on the phone all night, like waking up every few minutes to check. I mean, it's, it's insidious. Yeah, you get addicted to that dopamine hit of somebody liking it. And then suddenly if it's not there, I mean, even as adults, I mean, if we post something on Twitter and, or, and you know, it just goes out there and nobody likes it or <laughs> retweets it, you're like, oh, I guess I had a bad take or something, you know, I I, I need to go and do my room and consider my life or something. But, you know, it, it's I don't think it's just kids. I mean, even yeah. as even as adults, but it certainly kids are the most vulnerable and and. um you know, can, can be really nasty to each other. Uh, when adults do that, usually it's, it's a crime and you, you, know, you can get the police involved, but for some reason it's not when, when, when kids, kids do it to each other. It. Yeah. Yeah. And to be certain, this isn't a side effect of the social media apps. It's actually part of the algorithm. So right. if I think about Snapchat and the streaks that they have to keep alive, and that's based on the quickness of them liking and replying and things of that nature. Um, And so the very scores that you have on these apps are feeding in to this crisis. Um, And so it's not just, oh, these things are neutral and they're causing these things, but there's this very purposeful molding of the product for it to cause that. There's an article link from uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who is uh, the CNN's you know celebrity doctor, that, and he does several things for them. He does a podcast, but he's an article about parenting in the era of ubiquitous screens and social media. And one of the he talks about his own teenage daughters, and he says one of the things is one of his daughters said is many teens feel an obligation to be on social media or they will feel left behind. Like they don't, they don't even necessarily want to be there, but if they don't participate, they're outside the social circle. They're outsiders. They're ostracized. And I remember, I I do vaguely remember being a teen and how, how hard it was to be on the outside alone looking in. So it's called FOMA fear of missing out. Yeah. And that's very real. Whenever we do retreats with teens, we will purposefully have them put phones away and be very deliberate about it. The anxiety of the first six to eight hours of retreats is very real. Usually after about a six to eight hour, and we can get to this more when we talk about some solutions Um, usually more after that six to eight hours, you see that anxiety start to subside, but it's a very real thing. Yeah. I mean, the jury duty, they used to take your phones, right. Or if you go into something where there's like, you know, an NDA, they'll put your phone in those special like bags and stuff. And even with adults, there's that anxiety as as well. You know, like it's like you're losing your right arm or something. Yeah. I remember taking a tour with the scouts of the, uh, the, the Coast Guard, uh, district, control station like their their central and it's a secure facility so as you go in the door all all the phones had to go in these little boxes outside the door and all the adults were like but 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 (laughs) it's okay you can do it i mean i was one of them i was like but i don't want to leave my phone behind (laughs) yeah i mean there's, there's there's that i mean if i drive out of my driveway and to go run an errand to the store half a mile away and come back. If I don't have my phone with me, I'm like, should I turn around and get it? Like, should, like, like it, there is a real sense of this is now an essential part of my getting, getting around in life, which I guess it, it doesn't need to be. I suppose it shouldn't be. Yeah. If, if you want a thrill, like go to the grocery store and intentionally leave your phone at home. I did that like <laughs> a couple of years ago with our son. I was like, we're going to leave our phones at home and just go to the grocery store without them. Really? Like, can we do that? You know, yes, you could do that. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> what if there's an act, you know, but what, well, that's where my list is and my my loyalty card yeah. and my payment way. Yeah, I know this become, in, you know, insidious in a way. Inv- yeah. Invaluable. There's a really real quote here from that Sanjay, Sanjay Gupta article. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. He's talking about how 12th graders are now more like 8th graders from previous generations. As I, as I read that, that's been intensely my experience. The maturity level and the socialization level that I once had from... I always was saying freshmen in high school, so I'm not too far off from what he was saying. But that, it, you, that my seniors in high school are at the socialization levels that... 10 years 10 years ago when I was working with high schoolers my freshman would have been at and so that's very right. real yeah he he says in this article that they're waiting longer to take part in activities associated with independence and adulthood according to this one doctor that he interviews they're less likely to go out with friends drive go to prom or drink alcohol than Gen X, 12th graders were, which, okay, the last one is not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm okay with that. But but I think what they're pointing at is, it's not whether it's a negative or positive, it's a big difference that in, 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 in concert with everything else. Yeah, yeah, and I don't see, you know, waiting to get your driver's license or waiting to drink or date as a bad thing at all. I think we were pushed, you know, in Gen X, we were pushed into it you know, way too young in some cases, you know, sure. giving a six. I mean, it seems crazy now. Like, let's give a 14 or 15 year old the keys to a car. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> what are they well, doing up in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can get a you can start to get your permit and stuff. Um, oh, but, really? In Massachusetts, it's always been 16 and a half. Yeah. In rural yeah. areas, we can have 15 year olds driving to wow. school. Wow. Yeah. So I don't I don't have a problem with that. I mean, but. On the on the flip side, it's like we're we're telling adults not to, you know, mature that adulting is is bad or onerous. And, you know, yeah, there's there's, you know, a service or something that'll take care of everything for you. And, you know, so, I mean, we're we're encouraging our kids not to mature. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that a lot of the sort of, you know, milestones that were there when we were kids, um you know, weren't always, you know, super beneficial or healthy either. Right. But there is that, that other, there's a later sentence, which is they may be physically safer, but the long-term effect on their mental and brain, brain health is a big question mark. And I think that's really the, the, the key point here is, you know, they giving out maybe a 15 year old 40 years ago was more mature than an 18 year old today. And I would have been, okay with them driving around maybe i mean it's just it, it feels like in previous ages you know it, it, when my dad was a kid 15 was like an adult i remember what my uh pastor my old pastor father murphy god rest his soul uh was saying he went back to ireland where his his parents were from and would would go to the church there and after mass all the men would be standing outside talking about farming you know issues and the 15 year olds would be standing there in as part of the conversation as equals because they were adult. Um, we have changed a lot from that period in time and not all of it can be laid at the feet of social media and smartphones because a lot of this change has happened gradually over time and, you know, TV and other things. Um, but there's certainly, I, I think one thing I, I do see in this generation, I saw, I see it in a lot of the scouts I work with is and and they're better than most because they're actually involved in an outdoor activity, but this tendency to be more passive. One one mom told me that her she hyper schedules her son in in sports and scouts and all these other things because if she didn't, he would he would just be sitting at home in front of a screen. And so for her, it's not like you know I I often like get bemoan how sports is the set is a religion in a lot of America today for a lot of people. It's, it's the one thing that they, that they can hold on to that gets the kid out of the house and away from his phone. That is very real. That is yeah. very real. Uh, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, my, my kids are at home in front of a screen. My 10 year old is on Tinkercad designing a three dimensional award for his teacher that I can print on my 3d printer, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And my 16 year old, um, just to give a positive side of the, and even the, um, Surgeon General's article had some positives about social media, you know, like 80 percent, you know, feel more connected to what's going on in their friends lives. Two thirds feel that they could express themselves more creatively via social media. But in my 16 year old's case, he 
got into um became part of uh you know various game modding communities and communicates with people over discord and this summer he's releasing kind of the definitive version of a plants versus zombies mod that he's been working on for a couple of years and he has a project team now of people around the world he has graphic designers play testers and he's basically project managing a a release like a software release over over his summer vacation and has it all scheduled nice. out and he's Impressive. using you know he uses youtube and discord and and various other um means to do this so i mean it depends on the kid your your kids should always feel comfortable being themselves around you as your parents so that you know you can encourage them and no matter right. what their friends are doing they know that at home you know they're welcomed and you know their their family it becomes like the i wouldn't say the only people that whose opinion matter to them, but it makes the, the opinions of the friends. Yeah. yeah. Matter less. Well, it, and right. I don't want it to, to be like all technology is evil because that would be silly for a technology. We'd have, to, we'd have to end up. We'd have to end the podcast. <laughs> We're done folks. See ya. Close <laughs> yeah. up the shop. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. As it, there are plenty of positive ways to use the technology. A lot of the problems are the, the, the uses that are passive or that, that drag them into negative social interactions. It's this positive, like, you know, I actually I'll give a, another example. My oldest daughter in, is involved in that homeschool connections, uh, social, you know, the, the bulletin board or whatever they call it uh, for the, the social network that they have. And she is friends from all over the country. Some from even like she has a friend in Mexico. She's close to, she prays with them all the time. She, she's learned about other kinds of, places and ways of being and cultures and like not just like foreign cultures but even cultures within our own country i mean there's a midwestern culture and a southern culture and a, whatever they do on the west coast and that sort of thing there's all <laughs> kinds of cultures and she's learning about those uh she's become a leader among them she's had chances they do um they do a friday night gamer group where they do like different kinds of role-playing games and it's become a real outlet for her which if she were just a regular homeschooler without this, she might not have. We'd have to find other ways of, you know, find, maybe trying to find some local people, which, you know, also works. It's, you know, it's nice to get in, in touch with people personally. But um, the it is there are some positives. You're right. There are some positives from this technology. Um, we just have to be very careful of the negatives because the negatives can be very negative. Um, so, yeah, we should, we should probably switch to some of the recommendations and um, between the surgeon general and the, I mentioned this is an American psychological association report that also has some recommendations as well. Uh, and you know, they have a list of 10. Some of them are better than others. Um, they, you know, like for example, their first one, youth should be encouraged to use functions that create opportunities for social support, online companionship and emotional intimacy that can promote healthy socialization that's a pretty generic way of saying they should use social media nicely. <laughs> I have a yeah. I have a good example of this. My um, senior class that just graduated. Keep in mind, small rural school, so we had nine kids in the senior class, and it was surprising to me when I found this out, but it made sense. They have a group Snapchat all together of their class, and by and large, um, there's sometimes they're not good to each other on it. By and large, they're supportive of each other on it. And so by and large, they're using it to look out for, you know, the kid, the kid who forgets what the assignment is or they know someone had a hard day. And so they're reaching out. Sometimes they're um, continuing conversations from school that probably would be nice to just stop when they left school. But, <laughs> right. but by and large, I think there's moments that they are using that for a positive vein. I think that that could be done just as well over iMessage and actually have a record of it, but that can be my soapbox there. <laughs> right. You know, I like this other one, the next one that they offer to, or one of the next ones. Um, they mentioned in early adolescence, so between t 10 and 14, adult monitoring is advised for most youth, most youth social media use. And as they get older, autonomy can be increased gradually. Um, and I would say uh, at 10 to 14, I don't really think they should be on yeah. social media at all, uh, but they should, uh, as <sighs> I think they should be encouraged to dip a toe in starting around 15 
to like a network limited amount of time and monitored and have conversations about it with, with a parent, you know, how's it going? What are you doing there? You know, I know there's the whole, like you, you're required to friend your parent and that's when they set up the, the ghost account, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> Well, and they, they completely undermine themselves. I mean, this is the root of the problem. And then they say, however, monitoring should be balanced with the youth's appropriate needs for privacy. There's no expectation for privacy in my house. I mean, no. especially now when it comes to what you're doing with devices, it's this whole, well, we got to let the kids be kids and we got to be buddy, buddy with them and I'll be well, cool and chill. And that's what leads to this problem. There's no expectation for privacy in my house. I can see your search history. I can see what passes through my router and I can barge to the door at any minute, you know. And let's be honest, what the APA is worried about for youth privacy is them getting involved in things that, from our perspective as Catholics, would be morally questionable. Uh, of and there's all no sorts privacy from Snapchat. There's no privacy yeah. from Instagram. They have access to all your kids' data. <laughs> right. Facebook knows more about what your kids are doing than you do if, you, yeah. if you're not keeping up on top of it. Like, you're right. There is no privacy from the, from the tech companies. And so, yeah, that is... Um, it's it's the the APA is 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 infected with this spirit of being suspicious of parents, and that's yeah. so you're going to take their recommendations with a grain of salt. That is true, Victor. To go back to your comment there of and kind of pulpit pounding a little bit here, you're not meant to be your children's friends. You're meant to be their parents. Yeah, right. You're meant to raise them. You're meant to discipline them. You're meant to show them and teach them how to grow as a full human person. They are not your equal. A friend is your equal, period. And so yeah. th there's this duty that you have. And so what's happening when parents do this whole, I meant to be the friend of my child and respect their privacy, you're not fulfilling a duty that you have. And so you're actually doing something harmful to them in trying right. to be a friend to them. Right. You, you love them and, you know, and, and help them to love you and to have fun together. There's nothing wrong with having fun together, but there comes a point where your job primarily is to protect them and help them as they grow until they are capable of taking care of themselves. But by definition, as adolescents, they aren't. Not yet. Um, the next one is also a little bit problematic. The recommendation to reduce the risks of psychological harm, adolescents' exposure to content on social media that depicts a litany of horrible things, just like self-harm and suicide, should be minimized? How about eliminated? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it should be avoided altogether, not minimized. Yeah, but I agree. Technology should not drive users to this content. And that has come up multiple times in our discussions and elsewhere that a lot of the algorithms out there seem designed to drive stuff that appeals to the worst tendencies of the human heart and soul uh, of all kinds. I, I was telling my wife, I, I, I look at Instagram and I look at, you know, um, I, Ronald Reagan speeches from the past because I'm I'm a Gen Xer. It's what I'm a conservative Gen yeah. X. So what, you you know sue me. Um, and there you stop. go again. <laughs> this yes he had some great singers uh, and Star Wars and Star Trek stuff. You know that sort of thing. But every once in a while, Instagram starts shoveling pictures of beautiful young ladies into the feed, and that's when I have to get out because it's it. You know, get thee behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? It, and and I, I'm, I'm just being honest here. That stuff is, is you know, if if I'm seeing it, what is the 15 year old seeing and what's he doing? He's continuing to scroll into that stuff, you mm -hmm. know, and they have access to all that. And there's some, well, you know, they're, I mean, they're beautiful young ladies, but they're not appropriate what they're doing for these kids. And the the algorithm is shoving it at them and not just prurient stuff, but also dangerous stuff, stuff having to do with, you know, uh, stunts and, you know, other bad behaviors and punking people in horrible ways and bullying behavior. And it's shoveling this content at them. We've the the, the tech companies bear responsibility for how much they're shoveling this sort of thing at it, their users of all ages. Yeah. And then on on both sides of the spectrum. Right. So if I have a older high school that becomes politically involved, right, and maybe he has more conservative views, 
the algorithms of these things are going to lead him to the most extreme extreme of those views. And so then you get them in these neo-Nazi views and all of that that end up coming up. Or the other direction, too. Or the other direction that they're going pure communism, right? All roads lead to socialism, pretty much. But, (laughs) well, all roads lead to nihilism, really, right? It becomes a self-focused thing. They lead to isms. Isms. Right. And a lot of this identity stuff that's been going on is fed by this as well. The kids fluid identities. I don't want to necessarily get into the, all the politics of that, but, but a lot of this stuff, uh, the trans stuff, the, the, uh, the non-binary, the kids who are like identifying as different things, all of that, much of that is being fed by what they're seeing on social media and being fed to them by these algorithms. So we, that we have to be careful and we have to, so part of it is you need, we need to have conversations with our kids, not just about technology use, but about the world, <laughs> sit down and talk about your values and the things that are important to you and how you see the world and help them to see you what, you know, that maybe this is the, the better way to evangelize them for, for one thing is, is part of it. Um, that's yeah. an important part. Social contagion, that theory is it, social contagions are very real and you have to treat them just like you would in the other infectious disease, you know, inoculate yourself against it as, as best you can. And then, you know, when you come into contact, you know, wash it off of you as quickly as you can and and don't spread it. Uh, um, at, at a topic that comes a little more sensitive, but the, there is a, another pandemic inside this of the viewing of adult content by teenagers, especially by teenage boys. And this has fed into it. And there is a very real reality that there's young men who are trying to get away from it and the use of social media keeps drawing them back into it. And so if you're a parent and you say, certainly my boy's not the one looking at adult content, um, get your head out of the clouds and stop lying to yourself. It's, it's everywhere. It's happening. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. Just, imagine if it had been this accessible when you were 15 or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but, you know, when I was 15, you had to, you know, one of the kids, one of your friends had to find his dad's magazine that was hidden in the back of a closet, you know, and then, you know, that that was it and you, in a magazine. The stuff kids have access to now is pure evil in a in a in a pipe. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just so and it's awful. designed to be as a addic- I mean, you talk about the algorithm. It's it's like, you know what it's they say, crack. pornography is yeah, yeah, 10 times as addictive as cocaine. Right. Or something. And now you have this algorithm that's basically developing new types of cocaine every whenever you want it. So, right. So, yeah, you're gi- you're giving your you're giving your kid ten thousand dollars and setting them loose in Vegas is basically um, <laughs> right. a little worse, actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so my 10 year old would would walk out with with uh, two million dollars at the end of the week <laughs> 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 counting cards or something. But you well, figure it out. But well, no, let's not encourage this then. Yeah, um, yeah, we won't, yeah. But yeah, so it's it just this reality of not minimizing reducing not minimizing reducing we need to be eliminating things right and and i really want to drive home the point social media is a gateway to pornography it it, yeah there are a lot of you if you spend any amount of time on social media and i spend a lot of time in my work on social media you will start to see corners of these social media platforms which are filled with pornography like straight up porn I'm not sure how when it's in violation, supposedly in violation of their uh, uh, standards of the terms of service of these different networks, but also that they they often use them as links to their more uh, explicit content. So, you know, you see the the girl in the bikini and she says, now click on my OnlyFans link to come see the rest of my content. And I, I mean, let's not get started on OnlyFans. That's a whole scary corner of our society um but nevertheless it's there it is in so social media is that front doorstep to that sort of thing and that's why it is so important that you be on top of especially your boys but your girls too there that's it's affecting more and more girls too but to be on top of that and uh yeah it is i'm glad you brought it up father because it is important to understand 
Um, I want to kind of wrap some things up a little bit with some uh, just a few final things. One of the things from the uh, the, the Sanjay Gupta article that uh, he talks to a um, child psychologist, he says that for many of the of his patients, his the children that he sees for problematic use of social media and technology. He says for many of them, overusing technology itself isn't the problem. It's it has become a sort of self-soothing behavior, a therapy, if you will, to mitigate other underlying conditions like anxiety or depression that need to be addressed. And I I see that in my own house. I have kids who have clinical diagnosed anxiety uh, disorders and the use of screens can often become a sort of self-soothing. It's a takes them away out of their world, out of the anxious thoughts and they can, you know, get into a game or in positive ways. Like my, my daughter loves to draw and she has an iPad with a pencil and she, she spends a lot of her time drawing on it. And that's a, a you know, it's art. I mean, it's, instead of a paintbrush and a, in paper and paint, she uses the iPad. So that's, that's not in itself a problem, but um you know, so over, but overusing, over obsessing into things can become uh, that it, a, a symptom of a deeper issue. And so that's something to keep. In yes. Mind. And yeah. So the the chem and then the chemical releases, right, that they receive from these make it even more soothing. Right. So the there's proof in scientific studies when they get that light, there's a hit of dopamine. Yeah. And so and that's going to help soothe a little bit of anxiety for a moment. Right. But what it does long term is it makes that anxiety crash even harder. Right. And so this reality of anxiety um, and yeah, this is I'm passionate about the anxiety and technology thing because it's one of my most common conversations with high schoolers is around anxiety. And just the pressures that are on them are far more than any of us have when we are in high school. And even if your kid is homeschooled, it can be there, too. You know, Mm -hmm. the you know, I see it myself The the pressures are different, but there are anxiety. There there are things that bring anxiety about. And sometimes that anxiety is genetic, you know, or or. Phys- you know, there's a physical issue in the brain, you know, mm-hmm. a mental health issue or that sort of thing. But you're right. The There's a lot of anxiety in kids and some of it's caused by the technology and social media. And that and some of it is the technology and social media are symptoms of that deeper problem. So it's both. And um, any other advice we that we want to give to parents as we wrap up this segment? Communication and honesty. Yeah. So. There's a thing of like, I have to be a friend with my kid, whatever, but there's that I disagreed with. But there is a thing of you don't have to be perfect Um, and showing weakness to your own um, teen children is actually a good thing. Vulnerability. So, yeah, vulnerability. Right. Maybe not weakness, but vulnerability. So, for example, um, dads, maybe you've had a struggle with adult content. Right. Being able to say to your son, right, this stuff leads me into a bad place. Stay away from it. Right. And being open about that um, and not being secretive about it. You don't have to be over disclosing and creepy. Yeah. Right. But at an appropriate level to have a vulnerability that I'm a weak human being, too, and I need to set up guidelines for myself. I need to set up restrictions for myself. I think that can serve conversation and relationship with your kids far more than um, anything else. Talking to them about social media literacy, technology literacy, those are all important precursors to giving them a phone. That's another one I would say. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm reminded of how my dad kept me off of drugs when I was an adolescent. He told me if he ever found dope in the house, he would poison it. (laughs) Um, that's probably not as helpful, but, uh, no, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, worked in a federal prison for, for most of his life. So yeah, yeah, no, I I just head on a swivel, look alive, uh, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open and, um, yeah, everything, uh, uh, yeah, everything we've said already. 
So basically do what you would do if you were in a federal prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep your eyes open, your head on a swivel, look alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure we will be revisiting this topic again, and uh, I'm sure there are folks out there who have advice for us and have questions that we could discuss in future episodes. So please uh, let us know technology at sqpn.com. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Paul B, Stephen B, Lawrence S, Carla C, and Lori V. Their generous tax deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So speaking of spending too much time on screens, let's go to our first headline, which is millennials spend more time playing video games than Gen Z and teens. All right, millennials, you're up next. (laughs) So that's me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, So the The resident millennial here. It's funny. This is sort of a. The, the way that this survey is phrased is sort of like this is a positive, so I'm not sure. But it says uh, the report found that 52% of millennials surveyed rank playing video games as their top interest, and 40% of them spend over 22 hours per week gaming. Uh, and that compares Woof. with 29% <laughs> of tweens who spend more than 22 hours per week gaming. That's a lot of time, 22 hours, if you think about it. That's that's three yeah, hours a day. Where is this? Yeah, user data from fandom.com. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, were they querying already game game players at that point? But yeah, yeah, yeah. they are. Right. Compiled based on proprietary user data from fandom.com, which I'm not even sure what that necessarily means. And a global study. Uh, there's, um, yeah. th- there's a lot of uh, questions about the methodology. And the, the, that's the thing you got to do with the surveys, by the way, you, that you see in the news, folks question the methodology, how they get this information and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, the attention span of some of the games that we were playing as millennials compared to the I don't want to sound overly harsh here, but the attention span of Gen Z, the fact that, you know, I have a game that there's a quest that takes 25, 30 hours to complete. Right. And I have to play that for a few months to beat the game right compared to the games that they want to play that are going to be quick and done well that's what they say the 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 most the 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 gen z is likely the most likely to play battle royale racing and survival games so fast twitch you know that sort of stuff millennials and this is millennials today, not millennials when they were that age. This is this millennials yeah. today that they're talking about. They gravitate toward multi multi MMO, multiplayer, open world sort of things, strategy and RPG genres. Mm-hmm. Think things like Elden Ring and World of Warcraft. Uh, so yeah, I, I know a lot of Gen Z now like don't so much play games as watch other people play games on yeah. Twitch and stuff. And you know they're they're you know very popular streamers. I've I've watched them as well. And, you know, I mean, maybe even playing video games now is too immersive and it's just easier for them to experience the game, you know, by watching someone else play it. It's like watching TV that now. Says. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, like, well, I mean, people watch other people play sports, so why not right. people watch other people play video games, right? So, but yeah, it is, it is. And then um, there's some hope, though, with the younger generation coming up with their Minecrafts and their roblox um it sounds like the 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 tweens and stuff are are recapturing some of that gen x and millennial appetite for gaming uh, according to the study it it looked like um once you get through uh gen z and their and their twitch streams um (laughs) younger kids are starting to uh right to get back into it so i love with gaming that i can pull in a um blessed of the church now so blessed carlo acute cutest right yes i was telling our high schoolers about how he would limit himself to one hour of gaming a week a week because he knew Mm. that it would drag him down on his own spiritual growth and then we were talking about how his one of his favorite games was pokemon it didn't register with them as much as it did with me of how long that would take to beat (laughs) the game of pokemon 
at one hour a week. It might take you the entire year. Until the next one came out. Yep, which we who play as kids remember, you know, four summer days sitting down and beating the entire (laughs) game, and then you were done with it. (laughs) And so that didn't register with them. Like, it was one of those like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So one of those like, I can see that, that they didn't see it as weird um, as I did of the virtue of only an hour of gaming a week that was seen in Carlo and that isn't quite the same. Yeah. I know that uh, there was a story earlier this year looking at ABC News, uh, China keeping one hour daily limit on kids online games. Yep. So China was attempting at some point to limit the the amount of time kids were spending playing their their uh, epic games or whatever they they play over remember there, so. china doesn't let their kids use tiktok <laughs> right yeah, they're their own app yeah so yeah when i was in college i remember trying to limit the amount of time i was spent playing marathon you guys remember marathon from yeah. bungie mm-hmm. the precursor to halo oh man that was hard to, to limit myself <laughs> at times <laughs> there were some finals exams that i might have done better on if i'd uh I remember my friend's dad had a method of limiting gaming, um, which you couldn't do now, um, in which he had cut the end off the TV power cord. And when it was his allowed time to game, he would put the cord, he had one of those clip on lamp cords, right? He put the cord back on the TV. And so that was his way of limiting his gaming. I don't think that's quite the way you can do things. I thought you said you yeah. had one of those like old rotary light timers, right? That you used to do to like turn lights on and off when you're not at home. And <laughs> we, I mean, we may yeah. have discovered later in high school that we could just go to the hardware store and buy that same plug end and learn how to do wiring. So you learned a skill, a valuable yeah. skill. That's great. Ho- hopefully, hopefully his dad doesn't listen to this podcast. He might. Statute of limitations has expired. It, it's been 20 years. And, and what's your interest now? Connecting things with wires. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, moving on to our next headline. Uh, I like this one. Google smart speakers are finally smart enough to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a problem with all of these these smart these little smart speakers, smart assistants around our home that they won't stop talking. I will sometimes tell Alexa or Siri to turn on lights or something. Alexa's worse at this, uh, which is oh my goodness, you know, where <laughs> you know turn on the lights. You know, I could also no, I don't care. Stop talking. Or there there are times where we're having um, let's say a voluble family discussion and Alexa just pipes up in the corner and wants to join in with some inanity related to something Amazon wants to sell me. And I'm just like, like in my best Scottish accent, Alexa, shut it. Yeah. <laughs> shut it. And, Head, and move. She, yeah. <laughs> Heed. <laughs> <laughs> this way, Mary next word of references. <laughs> Alexa is a preschooler. Yes. In, yeah. in the sense That's, of, I mean, constantly Butting into conversations. <laughs> yes. Well, apparently the the Nest, Google Nest speakers uh, are, they've got them so that they're doing less chattering at you. Like, so when you tell it to, like, there is a setting in Alexa where you can, you can tell it, turn on the lights and it won't say, I've turned on the lights for you, where it will just, just do it and mm-hmm. not. So there yeah. is a setting there. So that's good. Um, Google has added this. Apple's now going to do it because it annoys me to no end when I tell Siri, turn on the fan. I've turned on the fan view. Yeah, I know, because the fan's now blowing. <laughs> like, you don't need to tell me that you turn on the fan. Or worse is, I've turned on the fan for you. Did you know that I can do morning routines? <laughs> right. Like, I'm just trying to go to bed. Stop talking to me. Now we yeah. Now we need someone to redub all the Star Trek the Next Generation episodes whenever they ask the computer to do something. <laughs> make, make, make Majel Barrett Roddenberry talk back to everybody. There was a recent episode of the original series that we talked about in Secrets of Star Trek, uh Tomorrow is Yesterday, where they go back to the sixties um and encounter uh they they become a UFO and it's a whole fighter jet fighter pilot thing. But for this is B story where the enterprise's computer has been modified by this, these technicians from this 
a female matriarchy world where it now addresses Kirk as yes, dear. (laughs) It's all flustered. It was, it's hysterical. Like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's Alexa. They've, they've Alexa. I am worried that our computers stop talking to us because that is the end of I'm sorry, Dave. I can't <laughs> oh, yeah. do that for you. <laughs> yeah, yes. When it starts saying, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. That's what I said. And then it just stops talking to you all together. <laughs> We're done. The world's over. Yes. So, and then our third headline is uh, kind of an interesting one. Tech companies are finally firing tech workers, which is kind of a weird <laughs> pseudo positive spin. But basically, software engineers are the biggest portion of tech layoffs in 2023, according to uh, Vox.com, where they've been basically a lot of these companies have been laying off other people in other areas, but they finally started, you know, taking take, taking it to the software engineers, the programmers, um, because a lot of these places have been sort of hoarding their engineers. They, cause once you let these people go, it's almost impossible to get them back. I mean, that's one of the things a, a layoff is, you know, in the olden days, they would lay off the guys at the steel mill. They go home and they'd wait a few, you know, a few weeks and then they'd bring them back because, you know, you're just being let temporarily furloughed. But a layoff these days is go find another job. And that is, that's a, that's going to be a kind of a problem. It's a, a bit of a brain drain, for these companies um, that can ill afford it, like Meta and Google. There were stories about them getting employees and keeping them, that there were some employees of software engineers that were sitting in offices for four or five months, not being given any work to do because they just wanted that good employee and that sought after programmer on their crew. Yeah. But they didn't have any projects for them to do. And so that speaks to your um, thing that they were stockpiling employees and now they're um, letting some of that stockpile go, maybe. Right. Right. It's good news for everybody else, though, because, I mean, every industry needs just about if you're doing anything at all with technology like software developers, you know, data scientists, data engineers, software engineers. So, the, I mean, it's it's good news now that finally some of these people will be hitting the market um, for, you know, all these companies and industries where they've had open, you know, positions that they haven't been able to fill. And when a software engineer gets laid off and doesn't go to another company, they often make startups and they start innovating new apps and technologies and stuff. And some, some of the best technology we have today is stuff made by people in that sort of position. I want to be clear on one part of this because parts of the article suggest that it might be a thing with, it is not AI replacing no, coding jobs yet. Not yet i played around with ai encoding um and asked chat gpt to write me a piece of python code and getting deep into the nerd weeds here there's certain things that you have to import into code for it to work it doesn't understand those and some of the things it was importing libraries it was bringing in have been deprecated for five years right yeah. no longer used and so its understanding of writing code is very um, rudimentary. Yeah, rudimentary. Yeah. And so I could see it writing short pieces, but writing an entire program or things, it, no. AI is not taking anybody's job yet. Like, I mean, it, there, there's still the question of will it eventually take some jobs from some people? Maybe. But right now, it's it's not taking anybody anybody's job yet uh, i did use ChatGPT this morning by the way for a very fun thing my son is taking programming courses uh just starting uh with tinker.com which is a great yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, service and uh, he was asking me the difference between if not and until statements and i was floundering around mm. i'm like wait you know chat gpt Ex- explain to a 12 year old boy <laughs> the difference between if not and until and it did and he's like oh i get it and he kind of repeated back to me in his own words and i'm like oh that's perfect <laughs> so if you you know if you ever get in a situation where you're like i need to explain this thing in terms that a child can understand sometimes for an adult <laughs> you know what i mean sometimes it, that's even good for an adult to have it phrased the way a child would understand that that's a, a great use. 
just remember when, out there. when I was that age and I was trying to program my games on my Commodore 64 and I got stuck on like the concept of a variable. And yep. I asked my, uh, at the time, 80, 82 year old grandmother, you know, what's, what's a variable and you know, God bless her. She did her best to explain it. <laughs> if only grandma had had chat GPT. Yeah. All right. So those are our headlines this week. And uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Victor, you're up with the, the best pick yet. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> two or three weeks ago, Nintendo released a little game called the legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom, um, which is a follow up to their uh, hit game from about six years ago called The Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild. And um, if you've ever already played Breath of the Wild, you probably are playing Tears of the Kingdom now. It's that game, but better and bigger in, in every conceivable way. And into this game, Tears of the Kingdom, Nintendo has really poured um, every bit of expertise making games over the last, you know, 45, 50 years. Um, you know, everything fun that you, you can easily pick out. Oh, I, this is from Super Mario Sunshine. You know, there's there's bits of their DNA in, in every aspect of this game. But just the exploration, there's crafting, there's a physics engine. There's a really good story about, you know, self-sacrifice to defeat evil. Um, you know, how evil persists across the ages. And it's up to, you know, everybody at different stages to fight it. Um it's it's a really it's a really great game, a lot of fun. Uh, everybody in our house has been playing it for the past uh, three weeks now, and every, you know, from our eight year old to our twenty year old to to uh, you know my wife and me, and we're all approaching the game in in different ways. It's a game that you can, you know, say I want to fight monsters, or I just want to explore this vast world, or I want to create weird cars and boats and see what happens if I, you know, stick all these machines together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very hard to describe. I don't want to, you know, give, give too much away, but it's, uh, it's worth, if you haven't picked up a switch yet and granted, we're very late in the console's life cycle. It's, it's still worth, um, picking up a switch and playing this game because it really is, I think the pinnacle of, of gaming, um, over the last, uh, 45 or 50 years or so. Man, you got to kill me here. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's, 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 I wasn't expecting it to be this good. I was expecting (laughs) it to be good, but. Yeah, it's it's really I good. It's got a Steam Deck. Now I'm going to have to get this too. Oh. Uh, well, you're not the only one. In fact, I have not yeah. heard a single bad thing about this game. From a single bad review, single person saying, "Uh, oh, it could have been better." Like none of that. It's kind of wild. Yeah, every every time I think I've seen everything and I don't want to say how many hours I've I've already played it. Um, but <laughs> it's every time I think I've seen you know, there's some some new thing opens up or there's some mechanic that I hadn't discovered yet. And it's it's it just takes you off in different directions. It's uh, it, it's 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 a really good experience. And if you can play it with other people in your household, I really recommend that. It's it's great to say, hey, well, where are you? Like, what? Wait, wait, where did you find that thing? Oh, over there. Let me look at your map. OK. You know, it's it's a really good social uh, mm-hmm. game to play um, with with kids and adults uh, as a family. Awesome. All right, um, I'm in the. Uh, it's in my cart, so I'm ready to check out. But I'll, I'll, I'll wait till the end of the show to check out. All right, uh, Father, what are you going to cost me today? <laughs> um, mine's cheap. Yeah, okay. mine's cheap. So mine will only cost you twenty four dollars. Is that a little better That's than a little better having to buy a that is much cheaper than switch? Yes. <laughs> okay, so mine is called the Sleek Socket Extension Cord, and what it is is it's an extension cord that hides the outlet, basically. So use case for me is I have our network switch, so the thing that runs all the cords to get the internet to all of our computers in our building. And the pow- and it's elevated up, but the power core, the power outlet is way down close to the floor, right? And so I would have an extension cord running down there and sometimes cleaning ladies might unplug the internet and shut everything down. And so this gave me a way to put something on there that looks like it's permanently supposed to be there and doesn't look like a plug. So it's putting a box over the outlet. It's like a flat cover even, like a yeah. flat outlet cover. Yep. And just um, you can buy it both on the regular with the outlet down or the outlet inverted. Yeah. Um, so That's with the third prong at the bottom or the prong at the top. Now, 
I have the third problem at the bottom, but I bought the inverted so that my cord could run upwards. Up the wall. Right. Flat against yep. the wall. They even have one where the cord goes both ways. So like if you have a yep. TV that's up and the yep. receiver that's down, that's neat. And so the other thing is it comes with all your mounting covers and tape. And so you're able to mount the cord to the wall um, and give it a nice little cord management. Dang, so for those who really like cord management, which spoiler, I think Dom does as well. <laughs> yeah. This is a great product. I'm really cleaned up the area. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big thing is, is any, any time you have, because most cords, they stick out, right? The, the, the power cord, the, the wire comes straight out of the outlet, out of the wall. And so even if it falls down, there's still a good three, four inches there. And if it's behind furniture and you're pushing the furniture up against it and you, now you're crimping it or you can't get it all the way there. Um, some, some of them, uh, there are some power cords, they sometimes are, you know, angled or whatever. But this is a nice, sleek solution, especially, you know, if, if it has to be out in public. I love the fact that they thought through this and said, oh, like inverted outlets, because my whole house has inverted outlets. I think it's a thing you do when it's a renovation. You put the outlets in upside down. Certain levels of code, especially if there were ever window air conditioners in there. Yeah. It's for when heavier objects fall, the inverted outlet stops the plug from getting from pulling out. It has to pull out the ground first, basically. I see. If I that see makes sense. Right, 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 right. Oh, I can see that. So, right, because if it pulls out of the top of those, you get the two live there, things can fall yep. down and cause a short circuit. Sure. But in any case, they've thought through it and they have ones for every sort of eventuality. I'm surprised they don't have ones going left and right. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> they, maybe that's coming next. They do have dual that two cords can come out of it. And the extension cord that comes out of it has four outlets on it. So yeah. it's not just a single outlet extension cord. It gives you a power strip with four outlets. I do not believe it has surge protection or anything on that. It's just an extension cord. Right. They do sell one with a surge protector yeah. on it, but, but that's a specific model. Wow. This is very nice. That's a great, it's a great idea. Um, I'm tempted to buy one for throughout my house, but uh, that we that would be more expensive than a switch. So I'm getting the switch. So <laughs> that's there's logic in that somewhere. Um, speaking of power cords, I mine is also a power cord related pick. This is the these are very simple. They are short power extension cords. So uh, it's not exactly a pigtail. Um, or and it's not a mail to mail adapter. That that's a very bad thing uh, <laughs> yeah, don't to, do to have. Yeah, don't do that. No, what it is is it's basically a eight inch long power uh, power extension, power uh, electrical extension. So, because the the problem we have with a lot of our devices that we have today is they all they come with these big thick bricks at the end that plug into the outlet, and they take up multiple spaces. They're like. Like like me on an airplane, you know, I'm kind of overflowing. To, I'm a big guy. I'm kind of, you know, pushing on the people next to me. Uh, I don't actually overflow onto those seats. But, you know, they, 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 a lot of these bricks take up space. So what this does is it pushes the brick away from the outlet and it allows you to 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 have just the plugs going in. You got to kind of see it. But it's basically a, a power cord that's eight inches long. And it's got, you know, the male on one end, the female on the other. And um, I've I've bought... Uh, so, so this package and a link has 10 in it. I've actually bought two packs. I've, yeah. I've used so many of them because it is uh, fantastic. Once you start using them, you find so many places where this works. I mean, if you use the sleek outlet that fa father mentioned, you might not need it as much. Uh, but, uh, but certainly this is a, was very handy. So for you get 10 of them for 20 bucks or two bucks each, which is a pretty good deal. And the, the one I'll link is just one example. There's all kinds of others that are, uh, you know, other brands on Amazon that you can find that do the same thing. And they have four packs, 10 packs, ones that have lighted ends to tell you when this live power and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. These, yeah. these are great. I've been using these sorts of things as well. Um, especially if you have a lot of like, you know, music equipment or something, everything comes with the transformer brick nowadays and your eight outlet surge protector suddenly becomes a three outlet surge protector. 
But if you use one of these, you'll have access to, and you can kind of, you know, flip the cables around so the transformers are behind the surge protector. They're not as much in the way. These things are great. Yep. I was excited that these were, um, from the picture of them, they looked like they were the power cables that go into the back of your monitors and computers, but they're that. It's a different head there, I, but they do make short ones for that as well. Right. So, yeah. yes. Um, and the, uh, the, 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 the other nice thing is sometimes it's even just useful to have a little extra power cord because <laughs> sometimes the outlet you're plugging into is in an inaccessible place. And this gives you just enough to be able to get at it a lot easier. That's another use case as well. All right, so those are our picks of the week, and uh, so and that'll do it for us this time. We would love to get your feedback on anything we've discussed today. We would love to hear from you. You can do that by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC214, tech214. Uh, remember, we'd love to also hear from you if any ideas for topics that you'd like us to approach in the future. Be sure to write a review of the show in Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast directories where you can do that. And share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. Until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. Father Josephson, thank you as well. Thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>